Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. Hello, hello, it's Greg here with another quick pre-episode preamble. Two announcements, if I may. The first is that next week we are doing our first ever Witch Investigates live panel event and we would love you to be involved. It's happening at lunchtime on Wednesday the 17th of November over on the Witch Facebook page. If you're listening to this before that date, then come join us live and put your tech and security questions to my guests. However, if you are listening to this episode after that date, then never fear, you will find the audio of that event as our mid-season bonus episode. The second announcement is that not only do we now have an email address you can use to get in touch, that is podcasts at which.co.uk, plural, we would also really appreciate it if when you next have a few minutes to spare, you head on over to which.co.uk forward slash investigate and answer a couple of quick questions about the podcast. Not only will we heed your advice for future episodes, but we'd also love to see what you have found interesting. And then we can go and show your comments to the bosses here so we can do some more. Uh, Bonus points if you can throw in a line or two about our previous season on sustainability and greenwashing too. Uh, That is at which.co.uk forward slash investigate. The email address is podcasts at witch.co.uk which is also the best way to send questions for the live event happening next Wednesday 17th of November. Okay enough of that on with this week's podcast. As this season is all about tech and security I can't quite believe that we haven't yet used the word algorithm. It's a mashup of the word algorithm from the Middle Ages, used to describe the art of computing, of adding up, and arithmos, the Greek word for number. And an algorithm is essentially a set of rules that must be followed to solve a problem. And crikey, does an algorithm solve a lot of problems, or perceived problems, in our modern lives? Want to know what video to watch next on YouTube? Well, an algorithm will suggest some for you based on your viewing history. What about a new series on Netflix? or a new song on Spotify, the algorithm has got you covered. It might have even just suggested up this podcast for you. And if so, hello, welcome, great choice algorithm. Where the algorithm really is king, though, is in the world of online shopping, where according to data released by the Office for National Statistics, a quarter of all transactions take place. So let's see the algorithm in action. Say you want a new pair of Bluetooth headphones, one of the most searched for items on Amazon. You type in Bluetooth headphones into the search bar. You hit enter and a list of products appear, everything from buds to over ears. Now you might look down and think the top three are too expensive. Oh, that fourth one there, that's cheaper. And it has an Amazon choice label. Those headphones have almost 14,000 reviews with an average rating of four and a half stars too. Nice. What is strange though, is that you've never heard of that brand. And in fact, if you look down the first page of results, you only recognise one 
Sony pair. And then again, unknown brands on page three, apart from one Bose pair. But that search returned over 3,000 products. So what got these less well-known products to the top? The order of Amazon search results is, of course, thanks to our buddy, the mysterious, elusive algorithm. And companies spend millions of pounds trying to understand it, trying to make it work in their favour to put their products to the top of the list. But some companies also do something else. They know that the more positive reviews a product has, the higher up the search result it rises. And then, naturally, the more people buy it, reinforcing its position in the rankings. So if a seller could get more positive reviews, maybe add some made-up ones, they could influence the influencer. They could con the algorithm and beat it at its own game. I am Greg Foote, and today's Witch Investigates asks, are you being misled by fake reviews? Which Investigates is a podcast from the UK's Consumer Champion. We work to make life simpler, fairer and safer for everyone. In this new season, I'm exploring concerns around tech and security. Is your smart speaker always listening to you? Could your car be hacked while you're driving it? And are you being tracked online? If you've got something that you'd like us to investigate, do get in touch. If you're on social media, I'm at Greg Foote and which is at which UK. Or you can email us on podcasts at witch.co.uk. Coming up, I discover that fake review writing is so popular it's becoming some people's full-time job. Which has been able to easily find several of these groups on Facebook, join them and be able to write fake reviews for several sellers. And it's been pretty straightforward, which is really concerning. I hear from people calling for the owners of online shopping platforms to do more. How good are they at detecting fake reviews? How good should they be in detecting fake reviews? You see, those types of questions are all up in the air and the government hasn't given any kind of guidance for those types of questions. And we reveal some hot off the press findings from a newly completed witch investigation into another way of gaming the algorithm. It's called brushing. Brushing is essentially an SEO scam carried out by some unscrupulous Amazon sellers. And what they do is they'll send out their own products, which they have purchased themselves, and they'll send them out to unsuspecting people. Today's opening question is this. When was the last time that you bought something online? And perhaps most importantly, actually, for today's investigation, did you look at any of the reviews to decide what to buy? Recently, the UK government's Competition and Markets Authority, the CMA for short, estimated that online reviews influence around £23 billion of customer spending in the UK every year. That's almost equivalent to the GDP of Iceland. Our obsession with online shopping has long been documented, and some people have traced it back to one year in particular. 
1995, the year Toy Story is released, the year Michael Jordan returned to the NBA, and the year one of the world's biggest companies was born. It started life in a garage in Bellevue, Washington, with a $25,000 loan from the parents of one Jeff Bezos. As the LA Times reported, back then, Amazon marketed itself as Earth's biggest bookstore, selling exclusively books. Interestingly, in September of that same year, another internet giant was born, Auction Web, although you'll more likely know it by the name it changed to two years later, eBay. Now today, 2021, Amazon is the third largest company in the world. And last year, it made over $20 billion in profit, which breaks down to an eye-watering $17 million of transactions every single hour. There are countless e-commerce platforms online now, including eBay, of course, but none come close to having Amazon's dominance. It's very convenient for a lot of people to shop on Amazon because it's super quick. It's usually set at affordable prices. So people will just simply search for a product. They'll look at the first few that come up. And as long as they have good reviews, they probably just purchase it without really doing sort of much digging. This is Sarah Sparry, a researcher and journalist here at Witch. And while her job means she investigates many different online marketplaces, today she'll be focusing on her close look at Amazon, especially at its reviews. There are third-party marketplace sellers who are all scrambling to get their products at the top of Amazon's rankings. And what controls that? Say it with me. Yep, the algorithm. The algorithm favours high sales volumes and it favours high reviews as well. So they're constantly trying to get the highest reviews they can. One of the ways that they do that is by using fake reviews. The issue of sales volume is another murky area of online selling. And there's a witch investigation that came out just a few weeks ago with some startling information. I'll tell you about that at the end of the podcast. First, though, I asked Sarah what characteristics a fake review has. It's a review that's typically five stars for an undeserving product. So if you were to read a review and it was glowing and it was saying how absolutely incredible a product was, but the product was rubbish, then that would be a fake review. And can Amazon spot them? And what does it do when it does? Amazon has been in the past quite open about fake reviews and it does take action to try to prevent them from happening. And it has said, in fact, I think last year that it stopped 200 million suspected fake reviews from appearing on the site. So we're not talking about a small problem here. This is quite a significant one. Absolutely. In 2016, a survey commissioned by marketing research firm Nielsen found that 73% of respondents use reviews to make online purchasing decisions. But I certainly do. We can split fake reviews into two different categories. This is Saud Khalifa, the CEO and founder of FakeSpot, a company who produce software that they say can identify fake reviews. We have the first category, which is bot-generated reviews. So a computer program is spitting out fake reviews. The second category is human-generated fake reviews. So fake reviews can be generated automatically by bots, a software program which is following, yep, you guess it, algorithms. Or they can be bespoke, handcrafted by a human. There are reviewers that their daily job is just to write reviews now. We have seen so-called human armies being used to write fake reviews. And usually those kinds of service providers, we call them, you know, fraud farms. Some of them specialize in fake reviews. Some of them specialize in click fraud. By that, I mean, they will go around and click on stuff 
And others actually specialize on bypassing CAPTCHA, which I'm sure everyone is familiar with those random images that come up sometimes when you're trying to log in on a website. So where would I go to hire a fake review writer? Recently, which has uncovered that there's such a thing as review agents. And the way that these agents work is usually through other platforms outside of Amazon. So Facebook groups, for example, anybody can join these Facebook groups and start writing positive feedback to get a refund or some sort of incentivization for doing so. This is journalist Marianne Kalman, another member of our team of researchers. Which has been able to easily find several of these groups on Facebook, which is really concerning. Marianne recently carried out a brilliant investigation into fake review for hire services that focused not on reviews for items being sold on Amazon, but on buying fake reviews for Facebook's business platform. What we did first off was set up a fake artistry business on Facebook called Patricia's Paintings just to find out how easy, how straightforward it was to work your way up the rankings and get a five-star rating through illegitimate means. So who did Patricia's Paintings contact? What we did was contact a total of seven review sellers. And they aren't exactly hiding on the dark web. A simple Google search finds you a bunch of companies offering to write reviews for you. And how expensive are they? We found it starts from about £6.50 for 10 reviews. 65 pence per review. I mean, come on, that's less than a dollar for our US listeners. Within a week all of the reviews that we purchased, so that's 600 five-star reviews and page likes, were live on our site. And that meant that within a month, possibly pushing six weeks, we had that five-star rating. I asked Marianne if the reviews looked fake and whether they could work out who was writing them. There's no real way of telling that these reviews are fake. It was only by the fact that we'd purchased them and then doing some reverse image Google searching that we were able to uncover that the profiles had stock images or an image of a model, for example, which found that the majority, so that was about three quarters of the profiles that were utilised to review Patricia's paintings were male, Almost all of them, 97%, were from Bangladesh, and that's despite their profile stating that they were from the US or Holland or, in fact, the UK. Is Patricia's Paintings still active? No, that was something that Facebook did take action on after we flagged the page and the review-selling websites to them, and they did shut down Patricia's Paintings. Right. Did they shut down the people doing the fake reviews? No. Not as far as we're aware. Okay, we told Facebook, or should that be meta now, that we were planning on discussing our investigation on this week's episode. And here is a part of their statement. We have dedicated extensive time and resources to tackling fraudulent activity, including offering or trading fake business reviews, which is not allowed on our platforms. Our safety and security teams are continuously working to prevent these practices. I asked Marianne what laws these fake review providers were breaking. It is against Facebook's guidelines. Their community guidelines state that no user on Facebook is allowed to conduct any fraudulent or deceptive activity of any description, including fake reviews. But it is bad practice in terms of what should be happening online and what shouldn't be happening. If you want to read more about this, then I've put a link to our write-up of this investigation in the show notes. 
I quickly discovered that there's another level to this potential buyer manipulation. Sometimes you've bought something from Amazon and perhaps you didn't think it was a good product. You might give it a two or three star rating. And it's quite commonplace for some sellers to then contact the person that's left the review and said, we'll give you your money back if you change it to five stars or we'll even give you a gift voucher plus your money back. And in some instances, they'll even often to bung you a few quid from PayPal. So those are incentivized reviews. You can't necessarily trust a five star review is an accurate reflection of the product. Honestly, at this point, I'm beginning to question whether any five-star review is actually legit. So how commonplace are these incentivized reviews? In May this year, which researchers scoured the top 10 best-selling Amazon products across a range of popular tech categories. Of the nine categories we looked at, five, now that's smartwatches, dash cams, portable Bluetooth speakers, in-ear headphones and surveillance video equipment, those five out of nine had buyers who said that they had indeed received incentivization in the form of free gifts or refunds or gift vouchers for a positive review or been offered a reward to change a negative review. And it gets worse. Of the products that Witch looked at, seven were labelled Amazon's choice, just like that cheaper, high-ranking pair of Bluetooth headphones that I saw earlier. Now, in 2020, we surveyed our members about what that label means. Four in ten believed it meant that a product had been quality-checked by Amazon themselves, and that's what I assumed too. But that is not the case. On their website, Amazon say that an Amazon's choice label is for, quote, highly rated, well-priced products available to dispatch immediately. Which means if those high ratings are fabricated, then you can get an Amazon's choice label from buying fake reviews or incentivizing buyers to change their review and give a great one. And that means that the Amazon's choice badge could be proudly displayed on poor quality products which actually found a badge on a security camera that we had previously reported to Amazon ourselves in 2019 after it failed our security tests. That's the one that I mentioned in episode one that was hacked, by the way. After our investigation, Amazon told us that it had removed the Amazon's Choice logo from a number of products and taken action against some sellers. We also got this quote from a spokesperson too. We know that customer trust is hard to earn and easy to lose. So we strive to protect customer trust in products Amazon's choice highlights. We don't tolerate Amazon policy violations such as review abuse, incentivized reviews, counterfeits or unsafe products. When deciding to badge a product as Amazon's choice, we proactively incorporate a number of factors that are designed to protect customers from those policy violations. When we identify a product that may not meet our high bar for products we highlight for customers, we remove the badge. While it's good to hear that Amazon is taking action, fake reviews do have a significant impact on sales. We did our own behavioural experiment at Witch last year and we found that fake reviews make consumers more than twice as likely to choose poor quality products. And that's understandable. I'd assumed that five star means top of the range, respectable, worth my money. Because the five star rating system is commonplace, especially with holidays. And sorry in advance again, I've got more bad news on that front. Producer Rob, join me. Tell us what the Witch Travel Team found. Cheers, Greg. Well, in 2019, the team found that some of the highest ranked hotels on TripAdvisor reached the top by using fake reviews. Now, we analysed almost a quarter of a million hotel reviews on the site and compared the profile of five-star reviewers 
with those that had left only three star reviews. Now, among those that looked the most suspicious, there were some of the highest rated hotels in the Middle East, four of the best rated hotels in Las Vegas, and one of the hotels in Britain's second biggest hotel chains, and that's Travel Lodge. Crikey. You just, you can't trust it, can you? I mean, I want to look and see, oh, where should I stay in, yeah, Las Vegas, say, or... um. Even if you're looking for a travel lodge, you need to be able to trust it or you're going to rock up and it's going to be an awful room and an awful night's sleep. Now, this was two years ago. And in a more recent report, TripAdvisor said that in 2020, more than two million review submissions were rejected or removed from their platform. And it should be said, though, that there are a number of reasons why TripAdvisor rejects or removes reviews. They range from community standard violations, so that's stuff like using a profanity, to fake review activity, which is, of course, what we're talking about. Hang on, if they've removed profanity, that might be some of the worst reviews have been removed. It's not often you'll be like, that was a beeping amazing hotel. (laughs) TripAdvisor added that only a small fraction of all review submissions, that's 3.6% to be exact, were determined to be fraudulent. And that does, however, total nearly a million reviews. Of those, TripAdvisor prevented over two-thirds of all fake review submissions from ever making it to the platform. Cheers, Rob. We also contacted TripAdvisor to tell them about this week's podcast, but unfortunately, they didn't get back to us. Now, there's a reason why this episode is the fourth in the season. We've had an investigation running that we really wanted to include in this episode, but we had to wait until it wrapped up, which it now has. And that means that I can give you the hot off the press results. About 2018, which first heard some reports of something called brushing. It's quite an unusual name, but what brushing is, is essentially an SEO scam carried out by some unscrupulous Amazon sellers. SEO here being search engine optimization, i.e. doing everything you can to get something to come up higher in the search results. And what they do is they'll send out their own products, which they have purchased themselves, and they'll send them out to unsuspecting people around the world. In this case, what we were looking at was in the UK. They will then log it as a genuine sale through Amazon's system. A genuine sale is what you'd see on an Amazon review labelled as a verified purchase. Surely something deliberately there to imply it isn't a fake review. Now, I'll be honest, I'd never heard of brushing until a few days ago. And as Sarah explains, any of us could be sent these products, products that we'd never even purchased. We may not want them. We may try to return them, but we're going to struggle to do so because it's not something we've bought. The sellers are sending them to genuine addresses, so they register as genuine sales. And I'm sure you can guess why. Amazon's algorithm favours products that have the highest sales volumes and the best reviews. Yep. We wanted to look into what the scale of this problem was. So we commissioned two completely separate pieces of research. We did one poll of 12,000 witch members and we did a separate nationally representative poll of 2,000 people to try to find out how many people might have received mystery Amazon packages that they didn't order, that weren't sent as a gift and that they didn't take in for somebody else. We determined that more than 1 million households in the UK could have been targets of brushing. Some of the people we spoke to had received dozens of packages that they hadn't ordered. We spoke to a woman called Teresa. She had received 50 parcels from Amazon. So we're not necessarily talking small numbers here. 
And a hallmark of the scam is that the type of products that are sent out are usually quite cheap to ship. So they'll be quite light and essentially not of high value. So we heard from people that received things such as feather dusters, bath mats, false eyelashes, t-shirts, fairy lights, chocolate molds, teapots, many, many, many more. Because it wasn't ever seen as a genuine sale, the person who receives a mystery parcel can't do anything about it. They wouldn't be able to log in and leave a review. But there is a second part to the brushing scam. And that is that some sellers will then create a fake account to make this fake purchase that they send out to somebody. And then they'll create a fake glowing review for the product. So there is a fake reviews reason as well as a volume of sales reason behind brushing. Now, on the face of it, there's no consumer harm here, right? Yes, the seller is being insincere, trying to cheat the algorithm and appear more favourably in any potential customer search. But all that happens is the victim, if we can call them that, gets free stuff. Well, not quite. For one, how on earth did these third-party sellers get people's real addresses and, in many cases, their real names? What became really clear to me in investigating this is that there is actually a human cost to this. It might not sound like a bad thing to be sent lots of parcels you didn't order, but one of the people I spoke to was so concerned that they reported it to action fraud and they also reported it to the police. No action was taken and there was no investigation, but this person was worried that they'd somehow been targeted by a scammer. And for that reason, I do think that more needs to be done to prevent it from happening because it does really concern the people who are impacted. As with so many of our investigations this season, the real concerns are data and privacy. But during our chat, Sarah was keen to add some reassurance. It's worth pointing out here that just because you're a victim of brushing, it does not mean that you have been compromised in any way. I think people give away a lot of personal information without really thinking about it. If you think about how many things people sign up for online, how many marketing lists they probably get onto without realising, it doesn't mean there's been a cybersecurity breach or anything just because you have received a package in a brushing scam. There's another cost that immediately comes to mind, what with COP26 happening right now, and it's one that Sarah raised. It's a huge waste of resources. It's a huge waste, like environmentally, to be sending out, usually from abroad, packages, shipping them over. And then what people are actually told to do with the parcels by Amazon is to either throw them away or to donate them. It says, don't worry about returning them. It's another case of the consumer being manipulated in the quest for profit. Of course, it isn't Amazon themselves carrying out these uncomfortable algorithm manipulating techniques. But if they know of them and if they allow sellers to continue to operate on their site, are they endorsing their actions? Amazon acknowledges that brushing is a problem that affects the platform. Amazon actually has a section on its website where you can report unsolicited items. So it's something that the platform is aware of. As far as what Amazon said to us, they were keen to point out that this is not something that just affects Amazon. They wanted to point out this is something that affects other marketplace sellers as well. They also told us that less than 0.001% of Amazon orders are affected by brushing. However, which believes that Amazon should be doing more to crack down on brushing scams. And the reason is because we want it to be the case that when a consumer searches for an item, on a marketplace that they can feel confident that what they're seeing is there on merit and not because a seller has gamed the marketplace or used any other kind of dodgy tactics to get there.
There's one final quick chapter to mention in this fake review story. So far, I've only talked about making up positive reviews, but there's also the sad world of people making up negative reviews too, leaving deliberately malicious or false claims about a rival's product on their pages to bring their ratings down. And it's not just small sellers doing this. In 2013, Samsung Taiwan were fined for paying people to negatively review products manufactured by its rivals. A product's reviews clearly are a big concern for sellers, but we want them to be a big concern for the online selling platforms too. And that's why we've recently launched our own campaign. You might have actually spotted this on some billboards across the country. Which has recently launched a brand new campaign called Just Not Buying It. And this is designed to make tech firms like Facebook, Amazon and Twitter take responsibility for the potential harms that are taking place on their site. So this includes unsafe products and fake and incentivized reviews. So we are arguing that despite the sophisticated technology that these platforms have at their disposal and could potentially use to squash the issue of fake reviews, for example, they are not stepping up and taking responsibility for what they should be doing. If you'd like to add your name to that petition, I'll put a link straight to it in the show notes. I've been shocked today at the scale of the problem. I'd assumed that I'd hear about people writing a few fake reviews for their own products. I didn't expect that there'd be a whole business built around it and that even when the platforms knew about it, they'd be able to continue. What with brushing and incentivized reviews and even review sabotage too, the levels of algorithm manipulation that sellers are going to is worrying. Fortunately for us buyers, there are other groups fighting our corner. Remember Saud from earlier? As I mentioned, his company FakeSpot are using AI technology to root out these fake reviews. The reason I founded the company is because I was scammed. That was the true reason why FakeSpot came to be. And the other primary reason in parallel was no one was protecting consumers from these types of problems. And I knew I could build a program that can actually protect me when I'm shopping online and protect others when they're shopping online from these kinds of problems. Now, if you look at the different platforms that have grown in the last 20 years, the governments around the world are kind of stuck in the telegraph era of protocols. You know, like I'm talking about 80, 100 years ago. Those are the rules that we're using today when we're looking at the internet, which is kind of ridiculous to think about. But also these companies that have become dominant forces in their certain categories, they've exploited gray areas, areas where there's no legal frameworks around them to basically fuel their amazing growth. As far as Amazon is concerned, when we told them about today's podcast, they told us that they've taken dozens of injunctions against providers of fake reviews across Europe. Amazon says that it and other online retailers can't do this alone and that, quote, the systematic manipulation of reviews needs consistent enforcement and global coordination with stronger enforcement powers given to regulators against bad actors. How good are they at detecting fake reviews? How good should they be in detecting fake reviews? You see, those types of questions are all up in the air and the government hasn't given any kind of guidance for those types of questions. For what it's worth, the UK government does claim to be taking action. Just last month, the CMA released their own white paper entitled Reforming Competition and Consumer Policy, which looks to address the wild west of online marketplaces. 
In it, they address the issue of fake reviews head on, saying, quote, It is important that as far as possible, any new banned practices, including those aimed at review site operators, effectively protect consumers from the full range of misleading reviews. Until then, though, what advice can our experts give to make sure that you don't fall victim to these untrustworthy reviews? Don't just rely on reviews from one website. Try to expand your knowledge base. Seek video reviews of the products. You know, if you have a video review of a product, for example, it's already more trustworthy than a piece of text written by a stranger online that you don't even know. Because you are now viewing a video where the person is actually holding the product. So do as much research as possible, especially if it's an expensive purchase. You would like to see different reviews from different sources, expert reviews, and things like that. That will definitely help broaden up your or knowledge base when you're doing the purchasing decision. Once again, it is up to us to arm ourselves with all the knowledge we can. But we can only do so much, can't we? Before this investigation, when I saw a five-star review for a product or a service, I would have, perhaps naively, thought that the chances of it being misleading were pretty slim. Not anymore, I tell you. I would like to see a world where consumers actually get protected for once because we see a lot of prioritization and benefits being brought to these platforms, to these companies. But at the end of the day, I think those platforms and those companies are nothing without consumers. Nothing. As I've said before, we can vote with our wallets. We have the power to create change. And let's hope we see some sooner rather than later. Not only because I want my Bluetooth headphones to be genuinely good, not fake review good. If you're listening to this episode soon after it drops, we've got something special happening on Wednesday the 17th of November that you might like to get involved in. Our mid-season bonus episode is going to be a live panel event. You can watch the live live on the Witch Facebook page at lunchtime on Wednesday the 17th of November. And you can put your tech and security related questions to my panellists. If you're listening to this episode after the event, then never fear, we are going to be recording it and we'll be putting the audio out as the mid-season bonus episode episode next Friday. If you would like to get your question in before the event, or if you've got any questions or thoughts about this episode or any of them in this season, you can get in touch on social. I'm at Greg Foote, which is at Witch UK, or you can use our new email, which is podcasts at witch.co.uk. And a last bit of admin, a reminder that if you would like to sign our Just Not Buying It petition, then you can click the link in the show notes and you can join the conversation using hashtag Just Not Buying It on social. And that is it for today. This episode was presented by me, Greg Foote, written and produced by me and Rob Lilly. Editing and original music is by Eric Briar and our executive producer is Angus Farker. Special thanks go to Richard Headland, Ellie Simmons, Shafali Loth, Marianne Cownan, Sarah Sparrow and the team at Fakespot. And I'll be back soon with our next investigation. <laughs>